This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This week's Pashbah a lot of different things going on in Pashbah We'll start with the first famous, famous, famous Rashi. And the Pashbah says, Vayas, can everybody turn off your phones? Vayas, can Aaron, and Aaron did this. I'm open up and everybody turn off your phones, including Rabbi Wallerstein, turn off your phone. So it doesn't disturb anybody. Okay. Okay. Zuck Rashi, we ask, can I write? Famous Rashi. The Haggish Wachel Shal Aaron, Shaleshina, to praise Aaron that he didn't change what he was commanded to do. That's the praise? Why would he change what he's supposed to do? What kind of praise is that? Right? It's the famous Rashi. Everyone asks him. So it's a very beautiful shot that I have to learn Musa from. To learn Musa when you learn, right? He says that Aaron, we know, Aaron Akayim was very busy with being uh, making shalom between married couples and parents and their children. Oyev shalom, v'roydev shalom, right? So you could think, if he's so busy with everything, he never showed up on time to light the candles. I'm busy, I'm helping, I'm dead, dead, you know, have to wake up, whatever it is. She says, Shlishina, even though he did all those mitzvahs, and even though he was so busy, Shlishina, he never, Koyin Gadol does not have to light the whenever he can push anyone else away, and he, shall, he can light the menorah, but he says, Aaron didn't miss lighting the menorah, and he was never late to light the menorah, even though he was so very busy. Shlishina, he didn't change it, even though he had an excuse to change it, because he was busy with other things. No. If you have a shear, you don't miss that shear. You have to go to davening, you don't miss that davening, you show up on time. That's what it means over here, that Aaron HaKoyin was so busy, making peace in the whole Klai Yisrael, Came to lie in the menorah, he was there on time. He didn't change. I have to take such most of that. Right? Because once in a while I come late to things. Right? So you think, oh, I'm busy with this and that. No, 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 it's not an excuse. Something special, then you, you make sure you're there all on, on time. Okay. In the middle of this week's parasha, terrible thing happens. Kalai Yisrael complains. For a change, but he and the people took the seeking complaints in the ears of God. and Hashem heard this. became angry at them. And there was a fire that consumed the edge of the camp. They started screaming. Moshe asked Hashem to put out the fire. Hashem put out the fire. So they called this place Tavera. So Bnei Yisrael started to cry. Who is going to give us meat? We want meat. They were getting mun. It tastes like meat. It could taste like any meat you want. It could be a lamb chop. It could be a sino steak. Right? It could be ribs, franks. Maybe not franks. I don't know. Mine could be that unhealthy, but skirt right, skirt steak definitely. So they wanted it could taste like that, but they wanted it in their teeth. They wanted to like that. 
that. Ah, that piece of munch. And it goes the bone, the bone. I need a ripstick with a bone. Right? But the one didn't have a bone. Could taste like a bone, but it didn't have a bone. Zachanus Hadaga. We remember the fish from the Nile. The fish, the Nile River. There's a fish called tile that comes from the Nile. Yeah. I just made that up. But anyway, um, so we remember the fish that we ate in Mitzrayim. Bechinam, for free. Yeah, right, says Rashi. Yeah, right, free. Sure, the mister just sat there and made salmon for you guys, like, you know, and sea bass. No. That's Kishuim. That's Avtichim. That's Achotzir. That's Avtzalim. That's Ashumim. We remember the cucumbers, the watermelon, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now, we're all dried up. We don't got nothing. Built is the money, the ill money, All we have is the mun. Terrible. You don't have to go to the bathroom when you eat the mun. There's no psalis in it. Sounds like this generation, no? Oh, just give me that. You know, you bought me a car? Well, it's your job to buy me a car, ma. Like, you know, no appreciation. No appreciation. So, Rashi's got a problem here. Rashi's like, what? What are you saying? Free, uh, free, free fish. You're gonna tell me that they get the, the the Egyptians gave them free fish? They didn't even give them free straw to build the bricks. You think they gave them free fish? So what happens is, boys, um, what's the big word? You know the big word I'm looking for, guys? Let's see if you know. Thank you very much. The big word is a bracha. Baruch ato adinoyel hinamachalam shakalni yavaro. What's the big word this generation? What is, what is Klai Yisrael? What's the word they're using here? What, are, what is it called? It's called entitlement. It's coming to me. Entitlement. I'm entitled. You give me a new call. I'm entitled. I'm entitled to everything. You're not entitled to anything, but I'm entitled to everything. So Klaisol was saying, we're entitled. Where's all the good stuff? Where's the watermelon? Where's the leek? Where's the onions? Right? He heard them cry. Hashem became very upset, and in the eyes of Moshe Rabbeinu, this was very bad. Why? Because this is the cardinal sin. What's the cardinal sin after being in my shift for 10 years? What's the most cardinal sin Rabbi Wallstein talks about? Ingrate, unappreciative, kafui toiv. And that angered Hashem and by Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the worst thing. It's so hard today to work with people because I can tell you from, from my high school the biggest struggle that teachers have is that you can do everything for a kid and they, they'll just turn around and like shoot you in the back it's like there's no there's no like I, yo man, I owe you something like you know there's no there's no there's no gratitude it's very hard to give 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 and get slapped huh yeah, it doesn't exist just the opposite you're like I'm going to do you a favor. Don't, don't, just, don't say thank you. Just don't hit me. Right? Just don't hit me. So, so over here, she was like, giving them money, I'm in the Shemayim. The bracha they made is, I'm in the Shemayim. I'm the man. 
Whoever got a food that tastes like anything you want? That's, that's crazy. Whatever you want, it tastes like, right? No, I want the fish in the trime, which they didn't even get. They didn't get fish. But it's your perception already. You, you, you already think, you, and your perception is your reality. Now, listen to what Moshe Abeno says. Very fascinating what he says. So he's very upset, right? And he says the following. This is what happens when you have an ingrate, and he's the leader. Why'd you do this to me? He never said this before. Why did you make it so bad for me? Like, I, I cannot deal with this. That, that they're throwing the mud in my face, literally. And it must be, God, you don't like me. Because if you like me, you wouldn't do this to me with these people. He says it. To put this heavy load on me. What's the heavy load all of a sudden? Because I don't mind carrying your stuff for you. No problem. But when you're not appreciative and just the opposite, then all of a sudden the stuff I'm carrying for you becomes very heavy. You know, you're carrying, oh, I don't really need you to carry it. You're breaking your back. And you're like, I'm doing a chesed. I feel great about it. I don't need you to carry it. All of a sudden, the stuff on your back, it's very heavy. Like, what are you saying? You don't need me to carry it. Say thank you, right? So he talks like he never spoke, and he never spoke again like this either. And he says something very interesting. He says, He says, um, Did I conceive this entire nation? Did I give birth to it? Are you telling me I should carry it? Like a, a nurse, a, a woman who's nursing carries the baby that's nursing from her, right? I should take them to the to, to Eretz Yisrael? Where am I going to get the meat to give them? So, so he, what, is this, what does he mean? He's asking Hashem if he gave birth to them? Of course you didn't give birth to them. What are you asking Hashem? What kind of question is that? Is is, is, is it my fault? Is, is, is this, are these my children that, that I have to carry them and take care of them? No. We know they're not your children. What are you asking Hashem? Are you playing games? Like, are, are they my children? So what Moshe Rabbeinu, who he was talking to, and this is the whole shit tonight. After this, we're going to learn Kava Yasha. But this is for everyone who's watching. This is for every parent and everyone who's going to be a parent. What Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, it might, sound like, it might not sound like Wallerstein speaking now, but it's Wallerstein speaking now. But Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, am I a parent that I have to carry them and, 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 and like someone who has to nurse a child? What he was saying is, but if I am a parent, I can't say, I have no complaints. Even if my child's an ingrate, even if my child is complaining and lying and he got free fish and throwing the goods that I'm giving him in my face? If he's my child, I have nothing to say. So my tiny to you, Hashem, is he's not my child. So therefore, I'm not mechaif to, to handle this stuff. But if he is my child, I have nothing to say. Then I have to handle it. Ooh, gotcha. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem knew it wasn't his children. Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to all of us. 
Are these my children? That even if they're ingrates, and if they're making up stories about fish free, all this garbage they're saying, and I'm giving them mud, I'm giving them the best life, I'm giving them the best stuff. They have a bear. Wherever they want water, they have water. Whenever they want food, they have food. The ground is beautifully flat. Their clothing they put into the, into the clouds, and it comes out clean. Oh my gosh, they don't have to plant anything. They have food all the time. It's, it's food from Shemayim, right? I'm giving them everything, and they're spitting me in the face. So Hashem, if they were my children, then yes, I have to carry them like a mother who's nursing. But they're not my children. Isn't anyone who teaches you Torah like a father? What? But isn't anyone who teaches you Torah like a father or something? He, he's, talking, he's talking physically a father, not spiritually a father. Yeah, this is a Neudic of art. You don't have to hear anything else tonight. That's what she was saying. I'm not their father. If I was their father, yeah, you're right, Hashem. They could be the most miserable kid, and I could give them everything, and they'll be ingrate, and I got to carry them. I don't have to help them do a virus, chas v'shalom, but yeah, I got I to deal with it. I got to carry it, yeah. I got to handle it. I got to do something. I can't just let it be. I can't just, just let them be. So, so he's saying over here, the reason it's so heavy, and I can't carry them, and I can't deal with their being an ingrate, is because Hashem, I'm not their father. I'm not their father. But there's a much deeper part. Come on, what's coming to you? What's coming to you? What's coming to your head right now? Where, where was what listening to when I, this share right now? Right now, what's coming to your head? All the ladies, they tell me, very well, often we listen to your share when we cook Thursday night. Meanwhile, I never got a piece of cold gold, nothing. Garnished. Like a box of something like we baked, you know, dessert, nothing. Now all of a sudden they're going to get all the chocolates, whatever. But, but I'm like, and then there's guys that say, hey, you know, I go to work. I listen to all the way I travel back and forth. I'm a big traveling salesman. I go from one nursing home to the other. I'm like, and new with the, like, the check to Ornavo, like, hello. So everyone's listening to Baruch Hashem. Anyway, I'm kidding. But I'm not. But anyway, uh, I'm talking about the, chocolate, the cookies. Um, so new, so what's the, what, what are you thinking? What's the next step? What's the next step? If it's his children, if he it, it feels it's his children, then... No, they're not his children. So he can't carry, he can't handle it. It's like, it's like, it's like, I could always diaper. I could always diaper my kids. Yeah, someone else. And someone else can go near him. What do you mean? It's the same, same situation. That's, that's, that's it's my kid. It's not my kid. But you looked at him as I have to kid. tell you that I just, I just, I just met a father of a, of an adopted, uh, a stepfather. In other words, this woman came in with this kid into the marriage. And how he treats his stepchild, you can mamish tell in the minute he walked into my house, I knew right away this is not his child. Just the way he talked about him and the way he doesn't care about him, I knew right away. So Rav Shadwan says a story. Rav Shadwan, I forgot why he said it, but he says an unbelievable story. He said that, um, that what's it called? That we, we're called the Banam Atam Hashem. The rest of the world is not Banam Atam Hashem. They're created in the Tzalama Lokim. They're not bottom of the He said, what's the difference? He says, you walk into a house, and there are two kids sitting in a high chair. Two babies sitting in a high chair. And both of them don't want to eat their food. So you don't know, you know that you're told that one of them is adopted, and one of them is that lady's real child. You don't know who's who. So, so the first one, she has, she's taking the spoon and putting it in the applesauce, and she's, you know how they do it with the plane? Open up, plane's about to land. The kid opens up. Uh, the other one, she's like, no, no, eat it. And if you don't eat it, you know what? You'll go to sleep, t- you'll go to sleep hungry. 
So that's the step child. The one with the airplane, that's the real child. Different relationship. Different relationship. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, if I gave birth to them, okay, I got to deal with the stuff. I didn't give birth to them. What was Moshe Rabbeinu saying? What was he saying? Who else was he talking to? Who else was he talking to? And what was he telling Hashem? Hashem, if it's my, if it's my children, so basically, if it's your children, so not my children, it's your children, and therefore you have to take all their garbage. Shabbat was saying the only reason, the only what Shabbat was saying like this. Hashem to take, to take it. Yes, he was. He was telling. He was giving Hashem. He was telling Hashem. He was saying like this. Hashem, if they were my children, right, then I would have to deal with it. They're not my children. They're your children. So you have to deal with it. You have to forgive them. He was saying... If, was coming to, he was going to defend them. Yes. Yes. Oh. He was saying to Hashem, they're not my children. I'm not like a nursing mother. But you are. So you, no matter how ingrate they are, you have to forgive them. That's what he would... You get both lessons. There's two lessons here. He's, to, he's talking to us, and he's telling us, listen... They're not, the reason I can, I can, I'm saying this, that it's heavy and I can't deal with this, because they're not my, did I give birth to them? But if you gave birth to them, all you parents, right, you better take, you have to deal with it. He was only telling Hashem, but I'm telling Hashem, so me, it bothers. But why is it bothering you? And he's answering, in that passage, it says, Hashem was very angry. And Moshe's eyes, they were bad. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem was angry, and, he, and they were bad in his eyes. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't angry. He didn't say he was angry. No, but it says that Hashem was angry. Right. So he said to Hashem, me, it's bad. They're not my children. What are you angry about? What are you angry about? If, you're, if they're your children, then you put up with it. The only reason I can't put up with it is because they're not my children, but they're your children. So if they're your children... Don't destroy them. Don't burn them. Don't kill them. He was defending Clarence. He was the great defender. So he was doing it in a roundabout way. Saying to Hashem, Listen, I'm, I'm upset. They're bad. They treated me badly because, because the, but I'm not their father. I'm not nursing them. But you're, the, you're nursing them. You're their, you're their father. You're their mother. Therefore, what are you angry about? That's what he was saying. That was the Dikavart that he was saying over here. This is a famous word. There was two lessons from that. What was that statement? Are they my children, Hashem? What do you mean? Hashem knows that they're not your children. What are you playing, you're playing around with Hashem? So he was saying, are they my children? They're my children. Uh, did I nurse them? Did I give birth to them? Did I get pregnant with them? They're not my children. So that's why it's, it's, I'm having a hard time with it. But you, it's your children. What are you having a hard time with it? And us, he's telling us, and a parent that your kid is the, making up stories about having fish. You know, when he was younger, he had fish for free in Mitzrayim, which wasn't true. And all these other stories, I'm sure they were just delivering watermelon to them. Like, you know, hey, you're working hard. Here's a piece of watermelon. Right? Can we bring you some fish? Like some salmon, maybe? Like lunch? Like, you know, they weren't even giving them, uh, they weren't giving them straw. So what he was saying is, I, to the parents, I can't, I, they're not, I can't carry them. They're not my kids. But if they're your kids, you have to carry them. That's what he's saying. Beautiful shot. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. Okay. So I can't give them meat. I cannot carry them myself. They are too 
heavy. They're too much for me to carry. So then he says, then we'll end with this, and we'll go to the Kaviyasha. If you're going to do this to me, kill me. That's pretty heavy. He says to Hashem, if, if, when is it to Hashem to erase him? When was that? I, no, no, that's by no, the ego. That's by the ego. This is not the ego, this is after the ego. So this is after the ego. So right. This is already so he's, second time so he's, he tells Hashem. Yeah, so, no, here he doesn't say, he says, kill me. He says, kill me. If you really like me, kill me. So Rashi explains that Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu, he became weak like a woman. When Hashem showed him the punishment, the Jews are going to pay for this. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, kill me before, I don't want to see my. I don't want to see Klaiyshol suffer. Right. Apparently, sees a child like that. He suffers. Right. Doesn't want to see it. One of the things that the Nazis did is they killed the kids in front of the parents, specifically. And all those kings, those bad kings, David Zora, they, they made the parent watch the child die, which is the greatest suffering that could be. So he was saying, if you're going to punish them, he tried all of the defenses. If you're going to, if you're going to punish them, I don't want to see it. I want to see it. Okay. And Taka, they ate the slav and they all died. All right, now, now, who talks about this? The Sivas Emes. Sivas Emes. He writes the whole thing like this. Here, tell the story like this. He says there was a, a young man traveled to Ger to see the Sfas MS. He had just gotten married, he told the Rebbe, and he's, he's, he has no pranasa. And what bothered him was that his father, who was very wealthy, wasn't helping him. So the young man said, what should I do? So the Sfas MS said, um, sent the message to the father that he should come see him. So the father came, and the Ger Rebbe said to the father, you know, your son is very poor, and he has no job. And you have money, why don't you help him? So he said, listen, Rebbe, all my life I worked very hard to support my family. I have married off all my children honorably. I don't feel obligated to continue supporting my married children. They are now on their own and should fend for themselves. I'm sure you've heard that before, right? The Ger Rebbe took the Chumash and opened it. He came to the Pazim Bnei Yisrael, complained and cried to Moshe that they had no, no fish or meat or eat. We just spoke to. But Ben turned cried to Hashem, calling out, have I conceived this entire... People, have I given birth to it? From where do I have meat to give them? The Spas Emes looked up at the man and said, Why do my Shabbat need to ask these first two questions? Instead of just saying, I have no meat to give the people. Right? What were these these two questions? Did I give birth to them? Where, right? The answer is clear, said the Rebbe. Meshbar understood that he actually, had he actually given birth to the Bnei Yisrael, he actually would have been the real father. He would have given no excuses for being overburdened. A father would continue to support his children with all his efforts, with no leisure, with the Generosity. So, at the same time that he's talking to uh, talking to us, he's also talking to Akash Baruch. You got it. You got it. And of course, the nice shot that 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 Shalishino, that Aaron Akayin didn't change what he was supposed to do, even though he was very busy. So you know, he was sure he came on time to davening. He came on time to light the menorah.
All right, we're up to Perik Vav. We're learning Perik Vav, maybe Perik Vav, Perik Zayin. What, what, how much time is on left? How much time are we on there? Half an hour? 23 minutes. 23 minutes, okay. So Perik Vav and the Kavi you have a Kavi Amazing story tonight, an amazing story. So it says like this, Habala time Messiah, you know, I say, anyone who wants to purify himself, who wants to help himself, wants to do tshuva, Hashem will help you. Sometimes it's very hard. Most of the time it's very hard. You need, you need help. You always need help. If a person wants to do a certain mitzvah, or he's traveling and he's not watching the movies on the plane, but he's learning on the plane, right? Even if you're alone, holy souls are going to go with you. Like it says in the Zayar, in Beratius, your leather once went to visit his father-in-law of Yaisi ben Laikina. He was the father-in-law of the Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Abba Bahade, and Rabbi Abba went with him. They were traveling. And another man loaded their donkeys and came after them, loaded up their donkeys to get paid for it. And he followed these two rabbis. Omar Abba. So Rabbi Abba said to Rabbi Elazar, Niftach Pishkin Deiraisa. Let us talk in Tyra. Let's begin in Tyra. Because we have to go on the way. It's a protection if you're learning on the way that you shouldn't get hurt. Okay, so they started learning. And the, and the, the guy who had la- loaded their donkeys, right, it's usually a very normal, not a guy that knows how to learn. Told them many secrets of the Tyra. So they were very surprised. I'm, I, you're probably going to guess who it is. It's Rabbi Laza and Rabbi Abba gave a kiss. Uh, who are you that you walk around with all this wisdom in your hand and you're and you're loading donkeys? Like you're like a god, like a Rosh Hashiva. What are you loading donkeys? Don't ask me who I am. Okay, I'm getting to think I know who it is, but you think you know who it is. You're all sure listening. That's all you are, Navi. Wrong. Ha. I thought the same thing. So let's go learn. So this guy's answering like, what are you, what are you talking to me? Ask me who I am, what I'm doing, why am I... Let's go learn. Medaf learning. And he told them more secrets. They said to him, who compelled you to come here and load donkeys? Rejoiced and they wept. They cried. And they said to him, Zilrachiv, you go ride, and we'll lead the donkeys. You're the bigger, you're much bigger than we are. We're riding and you're leading. You're pulling the donkeys. We'll pull the donkeys and you ride. They they what did he say? Um Bikuda de Malkihi. Know what that means. You didn't even tell us your name. We don't even know who you are. And we don't know where you come from. My home is a good place. It's in a certain tower on a mountain. You know who lives in that castle? God. The Chad Meskena and a very poor man. What's that? 
right? It's a loyma. Mashiach. God lives in that. It's Shemayim. He came from Shemayim, this person. We'll see who he is soon. God of Mashiach. Why is Mashiach called a poor man? Because it says that when he comes, it's going to be a poor man riding on a donkey. This is my home, but I went from that place, and now I'm loading donkeys. In other words, he said, I came from Shemayim. I'm not a live person. I came from Shemayim to learn with you guys. But that's right, that's right. I live in Shemayim where the castle is, where Hashem is, and 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 um and Mashiach Bakhra Lad Rabba and Shkuba Azlu, for Ladrababa cried and they went on, Vigilahem Oid Saidas, and he told them more stuff. But Nafla Rabbi Ladrabi Abba Panam, they realized this is this is someone from the next world. They didn't know who he was. And they bowed down, they fell on their they fell they they fell on their on their faces. When they got up, he was gone. Yitzhak Khal Sitrin. They looked to all the sides, but like they didn't see him. And they, they, they looked in every direction and see him. They sat and they wept and were able to speak to one another for a long time. Because they, they had this Torah and now, and now he was gone. They said, surely it's an illustration where we learned that whenever you're walking on the way, you should be talking in Torah. And if you do, Sadiqim come from the upper world to walk with you. Vadai Dahu, who was this? Rav Hamnuna Saba was Rav Hamnuna. The Asa who Omo who came from the other world to reveal us all these secrets. So Akach asking, you know, Akan Lashainai. And he came to reveal this, and afterwards he disappeared from our sight. That's the end of the story. So when you travel, you should be learning Torah. In Cain, Raya, we see that when you're doing mitzvahs in Torah, the souls of tzaddikim they hook on to you. Whenever you think good things and you do good things, you bring energy down from the next world. If you talk, if you talk good things. Like you're traveling and you're talking Torah, that it helps the neshamas that are stuck in this world, that can't get into the next world. There are souls that are stuck, and they, they're in Gilgul, they're stuck in trees and in grass and in fruit. The person makes a bracha on a, a fruit or learns Torah. They, 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 so, so many times, we know there were tzaddikim that used to look at the fish for Shabbos. And they would look at it, nope, 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 ooh, that's the one I want. Why? Did it look better than the other fish? No, it had a, uh, it had a, um, it had a, what's it called? It had a very holy soul. Okay, now we're coming to a crazy story. You ready? Yeah, buckle up. This is a crazy story. It's a very famous story, by the way. We learn from the It's very important to have to be connected to tzaddikim, talmidei chachamim. Who is your tamachachim you're connected to? Who is your tamachachim? Who is your rabbi? See, who's your tamachachim you're connected to? Rabbi Binyamin. Who are you connected to? Huh? Joey. That's your tzaddik. Psh, huge. Who are you connected to? 
Fisher Shechter, very nice. And who are you connected to back there? Mayor. Mayor. His phone. His phone. <laughs> Rabbi iPhone. Rebbe iPhone. The iPhone Rebbe. The iPhone Rebbe has the most chassidim. And who are you connected to? Pinchas. Pinchas. And who's the Rebbe connected to? Who are you connected to? Chaim and Rav David. I hope Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Galai. No, I'm talking about myself. Rabbi Chaim. Yeah. No, you have to be connected to someone, to a God, right? To always walk with them, to hear their Torah. The Shekhinah is with people, good people when they're alive and even after they die. They used to be, even today, they're very mocked where you get buried. Right? You can't just get buried anywhere. Where are they going to rest? How do we know this? Because Yaakov Avinu said, I want to be buried with my forefathers, Yitzchak Avram, and I want to be buried. The neshama of people circle, even after a person is dead, they hover over the graves. And they teach them from heaven different things from the Shiva Shalmailu, Mishiva Shalmailu. Here's the story. So the famous story in Sefer Chassidim, Simen Tov Shin Hei. There was a tzaddik who was covered, who was buried between big bad Risham. He would come every night in a dream to his relative. And he would scream at them in the dream and cry to get him out of there. So they asked him, okay, so you're not buried, you're dead. You're not buried to the big tzaddik next to you. What does that bother you? You're up in the next world. That because he was surrounded by the dead that were Rishayim, they kept, they did not allow him to learn. So there's a part of the soul that stays on this world, and it stays on the kever. And at night, they're supposed to learn Tyra, but they didn't let them learn Tyra because those guys around it were bad. And his soul was drying up. And his relatives, he didn't stop bothering them. Until they would bury him in a um, somewhere else. Now, I'll, I'll read you the story in a minute. The tzaddikim used to buy their graves when they were alive. You hear? Insurance, man. Insurance. They bought their graves when they were alive. They bought graves next to Tzadikim. While they were still alive, where the empty grave was, they would dive in there. And they would say a couple of Tzadikim over their empty grave that they're still alive. And they would promise on that spot to give tzedakah. That way they would make that place holy. And when they die, they, it's prepared for them to be buried there. Because they learned there, and they daven there, and they were menadim tzedakah there. The sultan can't come to the grave. Okay, here's the story. The story was with someone named Rabbi Amram. Rabbi Amram. And it says the following. He wrote 
Surely, if the place of person's burial is so important, surely when you're alive, you should be surrounded by good people. They wouldn't go to a meal, or they wouldn't go to a court, right? They wanted to know who's sitting around them. Because many bad things happen. When you're surrounded by a bunch of jokers, it's not a good place. That's why in the morning after brachas, you say, You shouldn't be with bad people that get together and they talk jokes and Lashon Hara and all these other things. They're only thinking about it. Okay. So what's the story? Stories like this. I'll read it to you from inside. And then I'll, I'll read you his letter. He wrote a letter. So let's read it inside. Maisa is a story. He lived... In the, in the city of Mainz. Mainz was in Germany. On the river, on the Rhine River. The Rhine River is, 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 is in Mainz. And he went to open a yeshiva in Kalin. Cologne, not Cologne. Cologne. It's also in Germany. Cologne. But he, he was very old. That if I die in, in Cologne, then make sure you bury me in Mainz, because that's where my father, my there was a holy basic for us in Mainz. He said, I want to be buried next to the grave of Rabbi Yehuda Chassid. So his student said, In those days, they couldn't do this. They said, we can't move a body. We'll be in big sakana. Put me in the mikvah, be metahar me after I die, and put me in a coffin. But the simu boy mechtav shayu kasev boy. I'm going to write a letter, and I want you to put the letter on top of the coffin. Shameis who are going to Aaron, right? That that's who I am. But Achak the simu Aaron besfina. It's a famous story. Put my put the put the coffin in a little boat, a little rowboat. Alanar on the river. I guess Cologne and Mainz were connected by the by the main by the river, right? Uh, what was the name of the river again? The Rhine River. So he said, and, and put this letter on there, and don't worry. And, and, and just do that, and it'll, it'll find its way to this. Without anyone on the boat, it'll find its way to Mainz. Okay, so that's what they did. And instead of flowing down the river, it just stayed right there in front of Mainz. And they stayed in the river, even though there was a current, it didn't move. So the people who saw that saw that something, something's going on over here, right? They didn't know anything about him having this. No. Okay. So they told the head of the city, there's this boat, and it's sitting in the middle of this river, and it's not moving, and there's waves, and it's not moving. So he told the sailors, Okay, go out there. Take your boats out there. Bring me the boat. No matter how much they tried, they couldn't get to the boat. 
Something's going on over here. So this Sar who saw this, right, the head of the city, he said to the servants, it looks to me like it, that this is a Jew who came to be buried in the graveyard of our uh, of Mainz. So they told you're not going to be able to get to this boat. Let the Jews, the Chavah Kaddish, come and get it. Okay? The minute the Jews got to the sea, to the shore, the scribe of Yadatsvin Aliyadim, the boat came in right away on its own. Didn't have to even go out. And they found this letter that was written. Because it was there, Halashen. And Achiba Rai, Mekila Kadesh Bains, the I'll read it to you. My brothers and friends of the holy community of Mainz, know that I have come to you because I have passed from this world in the city of Cologne. I request of you that you bury me alongside my fathers in the city of Mainz. May you may all of you be blessed with life and peace. Thus says Amram. Okay? So when the Jews through the town saw this letter, they unloaded the coffin from the boat intending to bury him in his family platters for his instruction. However, the Lord Mayor instructed his servants not to allow the Jews to take the corpse to burial, not to, not to take him to the Basak Varas. Instead, all the non-Jewish residents of the town gathered, and they took the body away from the Jewish community by force, and they posted guards to prevent any Jews from coming near the coffin. Afterwards, they built over the coffin an edifice of their own. They built a church, which is called to this day the house, if you go to Mainz, it's called the house of Rabbi Amran, but it's a church. So they didn't let him bury him in, in Mainz. When the Jews saw this, they were filled with sorrow and expended lavish sums and attempts to retrieve the coffin. They're willing to pay any amount of money that they should give them the coffin. They could bury him. He was a church. He was never built into a church. But the efforts were in vain. At last, they knew of no further avenues to try. So every night, Rabbi Amon would appear to a number of his Talmudim and plead, take me out of here and bury me with my fathers. So they took counsel together and went out of the city limits that night to place where a thief was recently been hung. There was a thief that was hanging on a tree. They took down his body and wrapped it in burial garments. And they took his body and they switched bodies. So they put him in the coffin that these guys built the church on. And the Rebbe, they took out of the coffin and they brought and they buried him. Then they secreted out the body of, of Rabbi Amran and replaced it with the body of the thief. Meanwhile, providence caused a deep sleep to fall upon the guards. So they did not notice anything. And Amran was buried with by Rabbi Yehuda. So you, if you go there to the city of Mainz, you will see Rabbi Amram buried in, the, in Mainz, and you will see a church. And the church, to this day, is called the house of Rabbi Amram. So it's very important. See, it's very important. It's not Stam. How you live, who you're surrounded by when you're alive, who you're surrounded by when you're not alive. you got to surround yourself with good people. You surround yourself with good people by davening, by learning where you live, right? We know the five, they came back, one said, Chabra Toiv, Shachin Toiv, right? Lev Toiv, Ayin Toiv. So, very important that you, that you surround yourself with good people. Now, there's one more thing at the end of the parasha, the parasha of was the famous story with Miriam and Moshe Rabbeinu. Also, we have the upside-down nuns. You know the upside-down nuns? They're worth a lot of points in the Chumash game. Upside-down, you have to take the Nachash and you have to turn them over. 
You have to touch the nun. Turn him over. What? Because he's, well, he's been serving. There's really, there's really seven. There's not five books. There's really seven books. You know that? Shiach comes. There's really, it really becomes seven books. If you, if you do the two nuns, you do by him and Sire in the middle, then all of a sudden you have seven. I just want to end. Last sukkah. What was the mistake? So, what was Miriam and Aaron talking about Moshe Rabbeinu? They were saying that why did he have to separate from her? Right? Because he never told them that Hashem spoke to him, Pelper. Nevius, to become a Navi, so he used to go into like a, a semi coma, right? Um, and then you would get this Nevius. So they, they, that's how they got Nevius. But the problem with Shabeno had is that Hashem didn't do that with him. Hashem just appeared to him. And he was scared he's going to be with his wife in bed. And Hashem's going to appear to him. That's going to be very not good. So he never knew when Hashem was going to appear to him. So he had to always be Tahar. Always be Tahar. So, but they didn't know that. So they were like, like, who does he think he is? Like, he's holier than we are? Miriam was saying. Miriam did not know that. The reason that Miriam did not know that was because he was, um, he was a big honor, so he never told them. Right? So, because Baruch Hu, Hashem, V'yer Hashem Ahmed Anon, V'yikra Anu Miriam V'yetz V'shneem, V'yom Ushimun Advarai, I talked to you in a dream. That's where it comes from. I speak to him mouth to mouth. I don't, I don't, a Navi, like you see a picture, you translate what it means. No, Hashem didn't show him pictures. Hashem told him. It told him straight out. That was Pelopah. Why didn't you fear to speak against Moshe Rabbeinu? How dare you speak against Moshe Rabbeinu? Alright, that's why she got Saras. So, this this Pelopah, right, that's what I wanted to say. So, this Pelopah that Koshbuch said, right, that I spoke, I spoke to him mouth to mouth. So, I, I, I give this speech always when we start school. Um, to the teachers that they need to know something. That there's only one person in the Torah that Hashem spoke Pelopah. Hashem didn't make pictures. Yeshaya says what he saw in the dream, right? Hashem said, I, I, didn't, I don't do that for him. And I don't, you don't have to go into a semi coma state, whatever it is. I appear, I talk to him. Pelopah. And I tell my teachers that the only mouth that God chose to speak, peh o peh, was a mouth that had a kfat peh, and an arousal A mouth that stuttered, a mouth that lisped, a mouth that didn't speak clearly at all. And Moshe Benin didn't want to go to Paro because of that. So, so people with disabilities, you think, oh, this kid has a disability, this, kid's in it, right? this kid stutters or whatever it is. Kishboch was telling us over here, he's telling Miriam and Aaron Akayan, you, you don't understand who Moshe Rabbeinu is. You don't understand 
that the only mouth I want to talk to is the one that has a disability. Hashem didn't speak to Avraham Avinu, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Aaron, nobody, David, nobody. The only one he spoke to was the person that didn't have such a good mouth as far as speaking was concerned, as far as ability to speak was concerned. So I always show them that when he was talking to Aaron and Miriam, he said, I want you to know that the only one I ever spoke to, Pel Peh, is, is the one that, does, that has a disability. Because Baruch has a very special place for kids that have disabilities, for people who are broken, for people who are poor. David Melch says that even though we have a, a steel wall blocking our tfilos, but the Ani Ve'evyon, the broken person, Shem always listens to. Always listens to. That's why when you see a broken person, always ask him for a bracha, a poor man. You're asking the rich guy for a bracha. Hey, how do you make so much money? Ask the poor person. If the poor person gives you a bracha, he's a broken person. Hashem listens to this uneven avion. And to the kid that has a learning disability, be very careful how you treat him. Very careful. That's why Hashem is very, be very careful how you treat a ger. Someone who, right? Anyone who has, is not on the regular level, Hashem has special, special pity for that. So, um, yeah, we should all be zaycha. Um, we should all be zaycha to, to live around good people and learn from good people. And no matter how busy you are, no matter how busy you are with good things, and everyone's busy with good things, right? Shalei shinu. Davening is davening and learning is learning. If you have a seder, you have a seder. And if you have a certain minion, you go to a certain minion, you go to a certain minion. Of course, it's an emergency. Someone needs chesed. You have to go. Hatzali, you have to go in the middle of the, you can be in the middle of learning. You have to go. Right? But maybe no. Maybe if you have a seder that hour, you shouldn't be in Hatzali call. You should tell, you should, what else should be on Hatzali call? Whatever. Unless it's an emergency. But the said, that's what it means, Shino. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would Yaakov Shino? Because he was so busy with chesed, he still lit his menorah oh, all the time. We may be zaycha. To see the lighting of the menorah once again in the Beis Hamikdash. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.